God can do a lot with a little. God can do a lot with a little. You see it throughout Scripture where God takes somebody that's kind of weak and broken and maybe not the perfect candidate and God does something amazing with it. In John chapter 6, this will be, will be this morning, we see a story of a little boy's lunch. And if you're not familiar with that story, people had been following Jesus all around, listening to his teaching. Imagine what that's like, right? I, I've never really met anybody that's done this, but I hear a lot of times back in the day, uh, people would just follow around like bands like the Grateful Dead or something like that, right? And uh, uh, I can't imagine what that would be like to just like follow Jesus and listen to his teaching and just camp out wherever Jesus was. And uh, that would just be a strange experience. But eventually these people start to get hungry and it's mixed with anger, right? They got all that hangry, right? And it's all these emotions all in one. And people can get, you know, their tempers can flare when food is involved uh, because people are passionate about food. Can I get an amen about that, right? It's not lunchtime yet. We've got a long time, so you shouldn't, that shouldn't hurt you too bad. But uh, people get you know, excited. If you ever tried to lead a group of people, I was a youth pastor for a long time. We'd had 40, 50 teenagers on one group, and I'd say we're stopping at Chick-fil-A or at Wendy's. or No matter what I picked, somebody was always mad about it, right? It didn't matter. So I'd, I'd get to the point where I'd stop at one of those gas stations that had like five different options, and then only four kids were mad instead of 30, but people get excited about their food. And this large group of people that numbered in the thousands are hungry. The Bible said 5,000 men, and that's not including the women and the children. I threw a picture up here of the Mountain Health Arena in Huntington. That holds 8,500 people. So that would be on the low end of estimates. So Jesus sees these people, he knows everything, he knows they're hungry, and they're, they're starting to you know, hear all those rumblings of the stomachs, and Jesus says we need to feed them. And the disciples were confused, like, Jesus, how are we going to feed all these people? If I went over to Pastor Scott and said, hey, we need to feed everybody, you go figure that out, that would be a pretty stressful thing for us to think about that. How is this going to happen? The disciples are Confused, and they calculated it would take over 200 days' wages to feed all these people. But even though they were confused, the disciples still obeyed Jesus. They didn't understand, but they still went and did it. And they go and look for some food any way that they can. Well, they come back, I can imagine, with their heads hung low, not accomplishing the mission the way that they had hoped. I'm sure they were ashamed. They come back with this little sack with five loaves of bread, and two small fish. The Bible's brutally honest sometimes too, right? The, the Bible says small fish. So like, they're, they're okay fish, Jesus, come on. It's not that bad. They weren't even big fish, they were small fish. See, a boy had given his lunch. I'm sure his mother had packed this lunch for him and sent him to go listen to Jesus' teaching. And he hands over that lunch and he offers it to the disciples anyway. The disciples come back, and I'm sure they're thinking, Jesus, look, I know this isn't a lot, but maybe we can eat it at least, right? And maybe we can eat it while we figure out how to feed the rest of these people. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. This is fine. Let me have it. Get the crowd to sit down. We're going to feed them. 
So it says in John 6, 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up all the leftovers, all the leftover fragments that nothing would be lost. So they gathered them up and they filled 12 baskets with the fragments from those five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. We see here that this little boy had given what he had to help Jesus and to help others. That boy didn't have much, but Jesus took his little and he made it into a lot. Jesus took this little and turned it into enough with some left over. God is amazing. These miracles of Jesus are incredible. See, God doesn't ask you to bring a lot. He just asks that you bring your little. Because God can do big things with little things. God can take your little and multiply it in ways that you will never believe. I've seen it in my own life in miraculous ways. And you might say, well, Pastor Phil, you're not very much. And I agree. But you should have seen what I have brought to the table. 23 years ago, I was a 15-year-old boy sitting in the back of a service similar to this, self-conscious, anxious, and awkward, and scared, and I would sit around and make fun of everybody else that was participating. I don't remember the message that God moved on my heart through to surrender my life, but I remember the invitation when I felt God asking me for my life, my little lunch. And I argued, God, what could you possibly do with me? I, I put my faith in Christ years before, but I, God, I can't speak in front of people. I'm shy. I don't like even talking to my aunts and uncles when they come over. I hide behind the couch and all that kind of stuff. God, I can't sing or I can't, you know, people don't even really like me that much. God, what are you possibly going to do with me? But I gave in. And in that moment, I handed it over. And look, I agree, I'm not much, but you should have seen what I brought to the table. For some reason, I had that faith in that moment to give over my little. And God doesn't ask you to give a lot. He doesn't ask you to give more than you have. He just asks that you bring your five loaves and two small fish. And God can do way more with your little than you could ever do on your own with much. See, God's not asking today for you to give what other people give or do what other people do. God is asking you to bring your little, contribute what you have to his kingdom, just like that little boy. And if I could tell one thing to all the world, it would be this, that God's way is the best way. And not only is giving your life to Christ the right thing to do, but it's also in your best interest. God is amazing. You can trust him. He is good. And you can give over your little, even when it doesn't make sense. Think about the audacity of this child to say, hey, look, I've got my five loaves and fishes. This should, this should help, right? He's got his little Lunchable to feed 5,000 people, but he handed it over what he had. 
See, one thing that we all have in common is we all have time, talents, and treasures that we can bring to the table. And you might not have as much as the person next to you. Your best talent might be painting a wall, not being on a stage. You might only have a widow's might, but you have what you have, and you can give what you can give. And God can use that here and in the community to make a difference. What's so amazing is that little boy, because of his uh, audacity to say, Jesus, here, have this, maybe this will help. Because of that, he got to participate in one of Jesus' miracles. And what he brought to the table blessed over 5,000 people. This church is an attempts to be an outward-facing church. And when you join us in giving our time and our talents and our treasures, it will bless this whole community. We want to make a difference in this county. We do our best to model these principles that we've just talked about as a church, to be a giving church with no strings attached. And that's why we come aside uh, partners in our community like CASA or uh, Workable Industries or you know, WI or uh, helping to support teachers, using our parking lot for food banks. That's why we make our building available to places like the Mission or drug recovery programs like Patar. Or the four community basketball teams, uh, the kids that come and practice over here. Harrison County Family Support Center. We make ourselves available with no strings attached to model the love of Christ and contribute to our community, not just ask them to contribute to us. We give because Christ gave. That's what the early church did. Back in the beginning, 2,000 years ago, There was Roman officials that would write down these things that the Christians were doing, and they were making waves by the fact that they would pay for the burials of the poor that couldn't afford them. So much so that the Roman government was taking notice. They would uh, get the babies off the the dump that had been thrown away, and they would adopt them, and they would take care of these babies. And they would feed the poor, so much so that the Roman officials would say things like, there's no more poor because of the Christians. This is what they did in the early church that changed the world. It wasn't all about just us. It was about being part of the community and giving with no strings attached because giving shows what we love. And Jesus loves people, and we should love people too. And we can't do everything but we can do something. See, we believe that the Bible teaches whole life stewardship, that everything that we have is God's, and that we are to use what God has given us to be a blessing to others. We believe that God expects every member of Clarksburg Baptist Church to serve God and others by investing time and using their God-given resources and their gifts and their passions and ability here and in the community. J.D. Greer says this, He says, do what you do well for the glory of God, strategically for the mission of God. Do what you do well. Well, I can't do what everybody else, doesn't matter. Do what you do well for the glory of God, strategically for the mission of God. That means living a life on mission, doing what God made me good at, but leveraging it 
for the gospel. Your gifts might not be up on the stage, but they're important. Unsung heroes are the best heroes. Matthew 6, 2 teaches us that principle. It says, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue. Don't make a big deal about it. Don't tell everybody about it. They they shout the uh, trumpet there in the streets and in the synagogues that, that they may be praised by others. But truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. When we do things for the applause of others, that's where the reward ends, and it's fleeting, and that crowd is fickle. You might do something one day where they love it, the next day they hate it. And if you do things for others that others may think that you're important and others may recognize who you are and how pious you are, that is the reward, and it is temporary. Matthew 6, 3 Next verse goes on, it says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Unsung heroes are the best heroes. Have you ever had somebody do something for you and you never found out who it was? There's something so special about that. Loved with no strings attached. They don't even want credit. They don't even want you to know it was them that did it. That should be how we give to our God. There's also something special about catching people serving and doing good when they weren't looking for credit, right? One of my favorite things is to see someone like pick up trash and just put it in the trash can. It's amazing. Right? They weren't looking for credit. They're not looking to see who's watching them and so that they can get recognized. And putting something away, going the extra mile. That's Christian love. Not doing things for attention, but doing things for love's sake itself. And not getting bitter or pointing fingers, but living sacrificially. You automatically lose that, like, you know, that blessing when you start saying, well, I had to do this and nobody else helping me out, and blah, 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 blah. No, just serve. Just do it. Just step into it. Someone said once that many small people in many small places do many small things that can alter the face of this world. And that's our attempt is to each contribute what we have, our little, our small, so that we can help make an impact on this world. To give like we won't run out. And when we're reflecting God, uh, when we do that because God is a cheerful giver, And a a special blessing that he gives us is there's a thrill with giving as well. And that's a gift itself from God. So where are your resources going? We have a limited amount of time on this planet. Are you using your resources in a way that will live past this life? Are you using up your limited time on earth for this life or for the next life? Because this isn't the end. Psalms uh, 103.5 says, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it's gone. And its place knows it no more. Life is short. And there are ways to do things and live in a way that is eternal. But it's so easy for us to live for this temporary world. C.T. Studd said that only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. 
We've got a limited amount of time on this planet, some of us less than others. Let's make it last by using it for God's glory. Are you using your talents to bring glory to God or to yourself? Here's a simple test. If you didn't get recognized for what you do, would you get angry? If all of a sudden what you did wasn't needed anymore, would you be mad? If someone else got picked to perform a service over you, would you be jealous? See, true service isn't about me. If we answered yes to any of those questions, our service was self-centered. And you're looking to bring glory to yourself, not to God. And maybe you have a talent that you want to use for God, but you can't find a place here at CBC. That's okay. That's great. Maybe you're an amazing juggler, right? And you're like, we don't have a juggling ministry at Clarksburg Baptist Church. That doesn't mean you can't go and use it strategically for the mission of God. I should have brought balls. I can actually juggle. Uh, here, just imagine it. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you can't go and use those things at a school or a nursing home and show people the love of Jesus Christ. For the first eight years that I was a pastor, I was a, a worship pastor and a choir director. Played the guitar a ton, sang every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Since I've come here, I've played my guitar twice, and I only lead a song when I put it in my own sermon. That's okay. Who cares? It's not about me. It's about Jesus. I'm serving Jesus, and that's all that matters. And I give him control of what I do, and he guides me, and I do my best to follow. And I don't care about the how because the how changes. We don't know the name of this little boy that gave his lunch, but I imagine that he was just happy to give his little and see Jesus do a lot with it. He didn't point fingers to people who didn't do enough, saying, no one help me. No, he just worshiped with what he had, and he had a good spirit about it. He gave it as a sacrifice, saying, God, I don't know if anybody else will help me. I don't know if anybody else will recognize me. I don't even care about it. I just want to give my little and do what I can do. So are we living for this life or the next life? Where's our time going? What has my passion and my talents? Am I using those things strategically for the mission of God? Am I squandering my time and wasting my time or investing my time? Adrian Rogers said, if I were to give God my riches, I couldn't make him any richer. He owns everything. If I were to give God my wisdom, I couldn't make him any wiser. He's an all-wise God. If I were to give him my power, I couldn't make him any more powerful. He's omnipotent. God wants one thing from his children, and that's our hearts. And we lead with our hearts, and then what we love makes us give, because we give to what we love. It's been said this, that you can give without loving. We've probably all done that, right? Here you go, yeah. But you can't love without giving. And God wants our hearts first. And good stewardship is that God owns everything that I have, and I am just the manager. We've tackled our time and our talents. Next is the one we're all uncomfortable talking about. 
right? Me included. And that's our treasures. In other words, our cash, right? We recommend the traditional 10% uh, for tithe as a good starting point for habitual giving. I've done that my whole entire life. But the emphasis on giving in God's word is our whole life. He's given us everything, and then we give it all back, and then we allow him to give whatever we need. Throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, God set up the standard that you give your tithes where you worship, and then you give your offering of mission to the needy above and beyond that. And for centuries, God has supported the work of his church by the tithes and the offering of God's people. And habitual giving off the top is a, a way that provides us with a tangible act of worship, even saying to the point, God, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to make it this week with, this, with giving you this, but I trust you and I have faith that you're going to take care of me. 10%, that's a good starting point. Often God can speak to people about cheerfully doing more, not begrudgingly, but with a happy heart. Habitual giving provides a way to be blessed financially, too. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be wealthy, but God does promise to, in uh, Philippians 4.19, to supply our needs. In Acts 20.35, he talks about a blessing for giving. And maybe those things are financial, maybe they're spiritual. God knows what you stand in need of. But ultimately, we do not live this life for temporary rewards, but eternal. And we give because Jesus gave and because God loves a cheerful giver. So where are our resources going, our time, our talents, our treasures? Maybe you're in so much debt that you feel like you can't obey God. I hear you. I've been there. But disobeying God is not going to help your situation. Trust and obey God's word. If you've had your eyes open very much, you know that our country has created a country of debt. And as Christians, we need to be uh, working our best to be an example of financial freedom. Tori and I, when we were first married, we, uh, I worked at a, uh, a small church as a youth pastor and a worship leader and a children's director and a deacon and you know, a million things. And it was rough, but we had to put, we lived in a parsonage, we had to put groceries on a credit card. There just simply wasn't enough. The debt was crushing. But we obeyed God in our tithes, and uh, we give him our time and our talents, and God blessed us and prospered us in unbelievable ways. Did it happen right away? No. It happened years later, and we kept having faith, and we kept following God's way. But God is in control, and he certainly has supplied our need over and over and over again. First, we seek God's face, not his hand. And we trust that he will supply our needs. Adrian Rogers said, The consecration that doesn't reach the pocketbook has never reached the heart. We give to what we care about. The surrender uh, to Christ doesn't pick and choose. You know that old hymn, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. All I can bring is what I have, my time, my talents, my treasures. God doesn't ask you to bring, give a lot. God just asks you to give what you can give, your little. Because God can take little things and do big things. God can take your little and multiply it in ways that you can't 
believe. We may not be the biggest or flashiest church, but we want to have a a church that gives sacrificially to change Clarksburg and change Harrison County forever. We want to have an impact. We want to make a difference. That starts with us living for the next life, not just this life. So are you giving your time, your talents, and your treasures? Are you using your resources for God's glory? Our goal at Clarksburg Baptist Church is to be that giving church that we give like we won't run out. If we each do our part, God can make a huge impact for this world, for His glory. Gather, grow, give. This is our process. This is our mission. This is our purpose. This is our DNA. So let's give. Many small people in many small places do many small things that can alter the face of this world. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we love you. God, I know messages like this, God, are, can be uncomfortable for us, Lord. And God, I pray that you just lead us with your Holy Spirit, God, and speak to us about whatever you want us to do. God, maybe it's going down the street and talking to somebody that we haven't talked to for a while, even though we don't really want to. Maybe it means having the bravery to get involved in a life group and giving our time and our resources there to help serve others. It's just stepping out on faith, God, that you're going to take what little we have and using it for your glory to do big things with it. God, help us to trust you. Maybe you're here this morning. We talked a lot about Jesus and being a follower of Jesus and what that means for us. And you might say, well, I'm not even sure I'm there yet. So back at the beginning of time, God created man. He gave us a free will to choose his way or our own way. And ever since, way back in the beginning, we have chosen our own way over and over and over and over again. Because of that, sin has rushed into this world and death and disease and hurt and wars and all that is a result of sin. But 2,000 years ago, God in the flesh came and was born on this earth. His name's Jesus, an equal part of the Trinity. He's always was here. He was always a part of it. will always be. But he walked this earth for 33 years. He wrapped himself in flesh. And he ate and he drank. He was tempted and he taught people. He did miracles. But it was always leading towards the cross. That was his mission. To come and lay down his life as the only perfect person that has ever lived to take the punishment that every person that has ever lived. That's what he did on the cross. Jesus laid down his life, and he died in our place, a sacrifice for us. 
That's why he said, it is finished. Because he accomplished it. And then on the third day, he rose from the grave, bringing our salvation with him. See, Jesus died in your place. That's the most amazing news. You don't have to suffer the sin and guilt and shame of, uh, of the wrong that you've done. And you can put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross as the only means of your salvation. It's simple, but it's not easy. Because it takes saying, God, all that I have is yours. Doesn't mean you'll never sin again, but you're putting your faith in what Jesus did on the cross to save you and to bring you back in relationship with the one that made you. You can call out to God right now. It's not a magic prayer. It's not a pledge of allegiance or something like that. It's sincerity from your heart. Words don't matter. You could call out to him with something like this right now. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. And I know because of my sin, it drives a wedge between me and you. And I know that ultimately the Bible says the wages of my sin is death. Separation from God forever in a place called hell. But God, I put my faith in what you did on the cross to save me. I trust Jesus to make a way for me to get to you. God, I'm turning from my sin, all that I've held on to, and I'm turning to you. Thank you, God, for saving me. that's you today and you made that choice and that didn't just recite a prayer but you made a choice once and for all in your heart to put all your faith in Jesus I'd love for you to write that on your connection card before you turn it in in one of the black boxes back here I'd love to be able to follow up put your email address on there phone number some way to contact you and tell you what amazing uh, decision you made today and what's next? This isn't the end. It's the beginning of an amazing journey with Christ. For the rest of us here that are already followers, what are we using our life for? Some of us used to, you know, volunteer and jump up and serve, and we got burnt out somewhere. Maybe it was because we didn't put the right type of boundaries around our life or maybe because we were doing it for applause or maybe someone took advantage of us. And now's your call to jump back in because you can't live there forever. It's okay to have times of rest. You can't just retire for the rest of your life from the Christian walk. Deal with your issues and deal with their pain and hurt and jump back in. Whether that's here, whether that's in the community, going and giving our resources to God, time, talents, and treasures. Dear Jesus, we love you. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts specifically in 
the ways that you want us to change and, and to make us new. God, I pray that each one of us would sing this song with our hearts, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. God, we praise you. You are so good to us. God, you deserve it all. If you were just to forgive my one sin, that would be amazing. But the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of days that I have lived contrary to you, God, we praise you and lift you up. Thank you for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.